It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. If you're a golf fan, there's plenty to keep your eye on this weekend and next weekend as well. In fact, almost every weekend, the way our players are playing at the moment, New Zealand's Ryan Fox is taking part in the Scottish Open amongst the star-studded field uh, after finishing second last weekend in the Irish, although he didn't have a great round, uh, Foxy, overnight, finishing four over. Uh, And, of course, Stephen Olker is always worth following because he's so damn good at the moment. Uh, He's competing in the Seniors Players Championship where he's currently tied for sixth, being the last to finish at two under. It's our pleasure to welcome uh, David Bileski to the show for the first time. Uh, David is a golf writer and analyst for Win Daily Sports, but he's also a Kiwi and he's been busy studying the field of the Scottish Open where Ryan Fox is playing. Uh, David, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, the first thing I look at uh, when I see Lynx golf is the wind, and we're going to see a little bit of that in the next couple of weeks. We are, absolutely. Thanks for the, um, for the, the opportunity to uh, be on and uh, speak with you. It's an honour to be, be here. And... Um, Look, it, it is. It's going to be a windy rendition this year over in Scotland. Um, and, and that is really where the teeth of this course comes in, is with the wind. So, um, yeah, look, it, it is going to be a case of we're going to see some big swings in terms of the draws. If we, we look at the scoring from that first round, those in the afternoon really, really struggled with their scoring. So um, majority of the leaders at the moment came for those morning tea time. So we may still see quite a bit of volatility in the leaderboard moving forward. Foxy, uh, Ryan Fox had a bad stretch uh, through 13, 14, 15 uh, with back-to-back-to-back bogeys, which didn't uh, obviously help the cause. But uh, overall, take this round uh, uh, away. Um, He's now ranked 46 in the world, which uh, gives him access to pretty much everything that he wants to play in, um, uh, David. And and, and that's exciting for him. And you wouldn't write him off having a big charge next weekend either. No, actually, I'd prefer to next weekend. I was in, I was in discussions with um, Brian Kirshner, who was on um, SENZ um, yesterday, I believe, and and pointed the fact that I, I much preferred him at the Open Championship to the Scottish. So the the one, I mean, don't get me wrong, Ryan Fox had an absolutely not the light, lights out year. He's been absolutely incredible. Um, the the one area of his game where he can get a little wayward is off the tee, and with this setup that we have at the moment at the Renaissance Course in North Berwick. Um, there are some narrow fairways and there's some really thick rice if you, if you are spraying a bit. And, and that's just the nature of Ryan Fox's greatest strength, which is um, his incredible driving distance. We look at next week, St Andrews, lots of wide landing areas. Um, and his approach player has been fantastic. And for someone who hits the ball so long, he's got this incredible touch around the green and his putting has been absolutely on fire. Um, I think he's a really strong pick for the, the Open Championship last week. Um, with the Wind Daily team, I was pointing them towards... Um, 
last week that he was he was valued some in some bookmakers at 150 to one, and that was just absolutely um, insane value for, for the number of top tens that he's had in a row uh, this year. So I was pointing towards that, and, and of course after the opening round of the Irish, that's that's long gone. It's been cut into 80s and in 70s and 60s and other places. Yeah, interesting actually, and there are plenty of markets around top tens and things which you would imagine would be quite attractive uh, for Ryan Fox in that situation. Uh, Stephen Olker uh, also, David, has had an incredible run. You talk about a, a golden year. Um, it's just been mind-blowing just how good he's been. And here we go again, another uh, key championship, the Senior Players Championship, uh, and another very good first round, keeping him right in contention. Four shots behind uh, Alex Chaker. It's it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, he, he is on just an amazing run at the moment. Um, it, it was interesting because he's been playing his trade on the corn ferry until he, he uh, met the age of 50. So yeah, I guess it, it's a change of perspective when these players move to the Champions Tour, right? Because now he's he's one of the young guns. And actually, he's he's still got, you know, in comparative, comparison to the other players on the Tour, he, he's still got quite a bit of driving distance. And, and he's ranking really well in terms of the driving stats at the moment on the Champions Tour as well. So... Um, it, it was interesting in the lead up in, in sort of August of last year he's, he started to perform a little bit better on the Corn Ferry Tour as well and I wonder if that was him sort of tuning up to get into the Champions Tour because since he's, he's then made that step um, once, he, once he's reached 50 um, he's been absolutely fantastic and, he, and he's really I mean he's, he's completely dominant which is amazing um, but you know full credit to him you know you look at some of these other play, players like Patrick Harrington or Miguel Angel um, Jimenez who uh, you know, no offence to Stephen Alka, but before joining the Champions Tour, have had a more prestigious career um, as a professional. You know, and he is easily um, the the top of the charts at the moment on that tour. So, no, he, he's been um, amazing to follow, and, and we can be very, very proud of him. Okay, David, let's uh, talk about the other thing, which is rearing a very, very ugly head at the moment, and that is Live Golf and what it's uh, effectively doing to the golfing world in terms of dividing it. Now, you lived in Dubai for eight years. Um, you know, uh, the spotlight recently has about uh, been uh, people trading blows, really. Good you know, former teammates, former great mates uh, trading blows very, very publicly. What are you seeing uh, about this, and where do you think it's going to end? Yeah, look, I, I just think it's incredibly sad for the, the game of golf, really. I mean, look, as you, as you mentioned, I grew up in Dubai and I, I had the opportunity when I was there to, that's really where I fell in love with golf and I had the opportunity to work on some of the local tournaments there um, through the formerly the European Tour and then eventually the DP World Tour. Um, you know, one, one thing one thing I guess that's getting missed in this conversation at the moment is that there, there are some interesting kind of geopolitical battles that happen in this area between, say, Dubai and Saudi Arabia, neither of them are really going to want to lose face on this issue. And um, Dubai's obviously tied in with the European Tour, with the GP Dubai Ports um, World Tour um, being the title sponsor and, and having just poured in a, a huge amount of money into into the game. Um, the, the, the risk that I see with this is that Live Golf at the moment has an unsustainable business model. They, they, they have an endless, bottomless pit of cash that they can throw into the game. However, they're also liable to whatever Mohammed bin Salman then decides to do. If he gets bored with this and he just pulls the plug, that money's gone. And and they, the amount of money that they're offering at the moment is not sustainable in the world of professional golf, just given the depth of field and the amount of people who watch. Um, so 
because of that, you know, I see I see a potential risk where if he does suddenly pull the plug, it could leave this vacuum in professional golf that we haven't seen before, and it, and it could be incredibly disruptive um, in terms of the, you know the standard order of things. I, I think the the one thing that Liv needs is is they do still need these marquee players. You know, other than Justin Johnson, it kind of has been almost regarded as a feeder tour between, say, the DP World Tour and the Champions Tour. I mean, it is these guys who are sort of at the end of their prime and, and they don't want to compete anymore. Um, they, they aren't as competitive on those those main PGA Tours and, and DP World Tours. So, um, you know, and and you, you can see, you can understand for some of these players, like if, if you take someone like Richard Bland, you know, who um, is an English journeyman, finally only only got his, his um, first win in his late 40s, um, you know, for someone like, like him, you can understand the appeal of going and, and making the substantial amount of money on offer because that secures them for life and, and full power to them. Um, you know, for me, the, the bit that's frustrating is when those players then also want to come back and play on the DP World Tour or play on the PGA Tour when and if they choose, you know, that that's not what it's about. That's not growing the game. They're, they're, they're doing what's in their best interest. And my perspective is, is if you want to go, but don't, be, don't expect to come back and be able to eat your cake too. It's so well financed. There's so much money backing it at this stage. And as you point out, that, that might be a temporary thing. Um, but they don't have to worry about television rights income as such. Um, but they still need, don't, don't they still not need a broadcast partner as such to have credibility? I guess. I mean, look, I, I've been tracking, I've been tracking the number of people who've been watching on YouTube. And I mean, you think this is, this is the moment is being streamed free of charge on YouTube, right? So the the last tournament, seven hundred thousand odd people watched the final round on YouTube. But when you put that into perspective, on like a standard PGA Tour event, one broadcaster in the states will have two million people watching the final round on Sunday. So they're they're not getting the viewership, and and that is because the players. But also, it's not appealing, you know. As a as a fan, and, and you know you you know. You can speak for yourself, Smithy, but for, for me as a fan, I want to watch the best in the world compete at these historical courses that, say, Tiger Woods have won or that Mark Amira has won or that Jose Maria Alathabo has won on. You know, so some of these legends of the game have this history and prestige and this legacy, and that's the thing that Liv can't buy, is they can't buy some of these tournaments. They can't host a tournament at the Memorial. They can't have the Scottish Open. They're kind of these no-name events, and, and as a fan... If if a guy who's winning a golf tournament is earning two million dollars, or if he's earning four million dollars, that's that makes no difference to me. Like both of those numbers sound like big numbers to me, and I don't I don't really care. That's not the appeal. Um, the the appeal for me is is the history and the prestige that comes with some of these tournaments, and who's going to add to that legacy. And and that's the one thing that the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour do have and live won't be able to buy unless they bought one of these tours outright. Yeah, interesting. Uh, what will be also interesting this week is when the pairing, well, early next week, when the pairings come out for the opening two rounds of the Open Championship, mm. because it is significant this time round, David, it is the 150th. It's going to be marred with um, mm. with a little bit of animosity, I fear, but uh, when we see who, like, McElroy is playing with, uh, for instance, uh, being one of the most outspoken of the group, Justin Thomas as well, uh, there could be some frosty pairings, some uh, some quite cold atmosphere around some of these groups. They, they could be. I don't think RNA would be outwardly. You know, they, they've they've got kind of a prestigious reputation. I don't think they're outwardly going to be going to trying to create those rivalries and and put players between groups. 
um, for, for me, you know, in terms of my analysis and what I do with the Wind Daily Sports team, um, where the tee times becomes really interesting is that I'm always looking for an edge in terms of where the players are teeing off and the weather draw, for example. And especially in Scotland, you can see these big swings where, you know, if the afternoon tee times on the Thursday have light winds and then the wet Friday morning it's going to be soft and wet and, and still, you know, they, they can pick up the significant edge over the other group. So that, that's where the tee times become really interesting for me and, and you can get an edge um, in terms of these markets. But, um, yeah, look, I, I, I don't think in terms of hearing there'll be much animosity. I mean, we, we've seen these players sort of bump shoulders a little bit in terms of um, the, the US Open, you know, where they were allowed to play and, and that all went fairly smoothly for the most part. Um, there, was a, there was a few frosty press conferences. Um, but, you know, all that I think is doing for fans is just further disenfranchising them from these guys. And, and you know, it, I, as I said, I can understand why some of them have gone over to the to the lift tour. Um, but when you're watching and observing them in these press conferences, you know, you do get the vibe that these are kind of the, the bad guys, you know, <laughs> like and they're, they're the ones who are, are deserting the main tour of golf. Um, they're, they're not doing themselves any favours by any means. So, and those sorts of people in the past uh, have not fallen f- uh, into favour with uh, the people at the Masters, the Green Jacket Brigade, David. So, uh, it's a little bit of time before decisions have to be made because this is a tournament where invitations are actually sent from uh, the, the Masters people. What do you think their stance will be? Um, I, I think that they will, they've got time on their hands, right? I mean, after this, this next major at the Open next week, we've got a big nine-month break until the Masters next year. And, and the, the problem for the Live guys is the world ranking points. At the moment, because the Live Tour, the, the rounds are only 54 holes, um, and and there's a process in terms of actually making an application to the official World Golf Rankings um, in, turning, in terms of earning points for these events. Um, that application, I understand, has been made, but it, it's a lucky year process for that to kind of happen. So all the time that these guys aren't playing on main tour events, the, their world ranking is going to drop fairly steeply. Um, and, you know, you'll find that many won't actually be in a position to qualify for the Masters who are currently on the list. So those who, I think, have won it before will absolutely be invited back. I think that, that it would be, um, I mean, it's, a, it's an unprecedented time in golf, but I think it would be unprecedented for them to not invite back a previous champion of the Masters. Um, but I think with the world ranking points, you know, some of these issues may just take care of themselves over the next nine months. Um, and and mm. the Masters, as I said, They've got time. They may just sit back and just see how things unfold. I, I do expect after this Open Championship, I think that we'll likely get another raft of names going to live. For. I think that's quite likely. I think, you know, we've got we've just been through this kind of fantastic stretch for golf fans of three months and and four majors um, and some other really prestigious tournaments in between. Um, and, and then after this major, there is kind of a lull until April next year um, of the Masters and there's, there's no majors in between so I, I think if you were a player who was perhaps considering moving over you've seen some of your friends got over to the Southern Tour, you know, you may just wait until that last major of the year um, you know, focus on competing in those, don't get distracted by the, the hoopla that's going to kind of come from, from making a move um, so I wouldn't be surprised in, in the follow, like following the, the Open Championship it's in the more names that are released 
Oh, interesting. Uh, David, hey, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, mate, and, uh, and uh, your views yeah. on golf. Uh, we'll certainly be uh, ringing you again. Don't worry about that, particularly uh, as early as uh, late next week when uh, the Open gets uh, into full swing, as to say, and that's a bad pun for a golf. But here we go. David Beliski, uh, uh, golf writer and analyst for Win Daily Sports, uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, enjoy the remainder of the Scottish Open and, uh, yeah, the, the Open Championship. So unique, the old course. Uh, 150th edition. Fantastic. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Smithy. Thank you. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.